It's episode four of the Dockiverse podcast, the all-new adventures of Higgins the Honey Badger. Greetings, gentle listeners. Welcome to the start of week two of this podcast. It's uh, been pretty nice around here this weekend. We haven't done a whole hell of a lot. I got a little gardening in, and uh, we're looking at the temperatures going down from the 90s. In fact, almost 100 most days. Um, dropping down to the 80s tomorrow, and on Tuesday and Wednesday, looks like we'll be in the 70s, so I plan on getting a lot more done outside. My garden is going well, and there is still a whole lot of work to do. I will be walking Sasha as much as I can on these cooling down days, because really on the days when it's hot, it's just not even a good idea to take your dog outside at all. Uh, My diet which I'm on because I want to be able to lose weight so that I can possibly get my bad knee replaced in August. Uh, The diet's going very well. Um, Eating a lot of vegetarian stuff. Uh, I've cut down all my portions. My exercise, eh, not so good yet, but uh, it's getting there. Hopefully I'll drop enough pounds that the doctor will say, oh yeah, let's whack that knee off and stick a new one on there. As far as gaming around here goes, we still are not. My D&D and pizza group, which was supposed to meet a week ago Saturday and postponed, postponed again. So we are theoretically meeting next Saturday, but we'll see how that works out. My other group is off until at least July. As far as other geek stuff goes, I've been making a lot of maps using Campaign Cartographer, but uh, really, I haven't done much else. Uh, haven't gone to any movies since King Kong vs. Godzilla. I haven't gone to uh, any game stores because I don't have the money. And uh, really, just been pretty boring around here. Anyway, what's not boring are my wonderful patrons over on Patreon. And now it is time to thank them. So I want to thank the wonderful and legendary David the Dread Pirate. Avis, the all-knowing sage. Bruce, the bold, badass beast-tamer. Jame, mistress of the sacred flame. Marion, the spirit of freedom. And Mark, guardian of the well of fate. I am humbled by your power and generosity. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part four of Confessions of a Dungeon Master. Part four, self-typecasting or George is playing another stoner. The very excellent Robin D. Laws wrote a great book about game mastering titled Robin's Laws of Good Game Mastering, in which, among other things, he talked about the various kinds of players, players like power gamers or casual gamers or any other several types. I'm not going to go over those types of players, mostly because Robin did such an incredible job. You can and should buy the book, which is available from Steve Jackson Games. No, I'm here to talk about players that may not play the same class, profession, etc. each time they create a character, and they may not have the same motivations every time, but they always play the same basic personality. They may indeed be a power gamer, or a casual gamer, or an actor, or whatever, but the characters they create might as well be clones, personality-wise. Example number one. I used to game with a guy who always played a suave, debonair man of mystery, a James Bond type of lady killer and ass kicker. 
It didn't matter if he was playing a barbarian, starship captain, or a 1930s reporter. The personality was always the same. Example number two. A woman in a game group always played a party girl. She was not in party mode in the dungeon or stealing an airplane or fighting off giant ants in Phoenix, Arizona, but as soon as the PCs hit town, she was off to drink, dance, have a good time, and usually get in trouble. Now, if I told you that neither of those two people were anything like that in real life, you'd believe me, right? Because it's true. The first guy was painfully shy around women and surprised us all when he finally got a girlfriend, and he was nothing close to an ass kicker. The party girl, well, the woman who played her was a sweet and kind-hearted but guilt-infused lapsed Catholic who was actually allergic to alcohol and spent most of her nights at home with her husband and cats. I'm not sure she ever set foot in a bar. Now, both of the above examples are 100% okay. It's called role-playing, and not all the role-playing comes from playing an elf or an alien. Many, many people want to be someone they aren't, personality-wise, for a few hours. We all know gamers that typecast themselves via character personalities. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that most gamers do it at least part of the time. I include myself in that group with my great self-typecasting sin being pretty much playing myself at about age 25 when I was less civilized. Now, GMs play so many different sorts of characters and species in a given game that it's nigh impossible for them to maintain a single sort of personality. On the other hand, many of us might play certain types of NPCs with a similar personality. I know that, despite my best efforts and use of accents or dialects or whatever, most of my innkeepers and tavern owners turn out to be friendly and chatty sorts. My bureaucrats are usually self-important, mildly dismissive wankers, and my cops or city guards are either inept Inspector Lestrade clones or tough headbusters. So, is this sort of self-typecasting avoidable? Yes, but it takes some effort more than most folks want to put into it if they even see the problem, which they usually don't. From a DM-GM perspective, players playing the same sort of character can be annoying, but sometimes it can be useful, and sometimes it's both. For instance, if you know that Sally's character is going to blow all of her hard-earned loot on cheese, you can perhaps slip her a magical cheese, or a very expensive cheese that contains a secret scroll, or maybe even a living and sapient cheese that changes into a small cheese gnome and starts them off on some big adventure. All of those are great plot hooks, by the way. Of course, the annoying part is that no matter what sort of game a DMGM runs, no matter what the adventures are, the hardcore self-typecasters are seldom going to really surprise you. You're always going to know that George is playing a stoner, and Sally's playing a cheese addict, and Joe over there is playing a guy that's always looking to make a fast buck whenever you get into town. And that's okay. Just roll with it. Bite your tongue if you have to. From a player's perspective, it's fun and wish fulfillment. And, you know, there's no reason you can't let them have their fun. I tend to just deal with the circumstances and use their character peccadillos to move the action along. Or to introduce new stuff like the cheese golem. And let them have fun. Even if I sometimes grit my teeth while doing it. We all end up having a good time and that's the important part. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, folks. Now... We have something new. The fake commercials we had to take a break from because I need to write a bunch more of them. So this time around, I'm starting up Free Plug Time, where I give a shout-out to a person, business, game, book, movie, food, concept, whatever, uh, just because I feel like doing it. And it doesn't cost anybody a dime. 
Although, if anybody gets plugged and they want to send me a dime, that's fine. Today, the someone I'm giving a free plug to is Glenn Hallstrom, also known as Old Man Grognard, and his podcast, Radio Grognard, which is on Anchor. Now, it's an OSR podcast, which means it's old school revival. It's about D&D and those sort of old games. But Glenn covers lots of topics that modern game masters or players will find interesting. He's an actor, and he's got a great speaking voice. And like me, he's a GM who has seen and done a lot. Also like me, he is never going to see 60 again, which means you kids listen up, but stay off his lawn. He does Radio Grognardi and usually under 15 minutes, so it's bite-sized. But wait, there's more. He also does videos on YouTube, and he drops in to co-host the Ten Cars Tavern video cast slash podcast once a week or so. Anyway, he's a video and podcasting wild man, and you should listen to him. Now, children, it's time for more Doclopedia goodness with more entries from the Potawango Island bestiary. Entry number 494, the Albino Pygmy Walrus. From the notebook of Dr. Thaddeus Silkmelon, the very southernmost tip of Potawango Island is the breeding ground of the albino pygmy walrus, an incredible creature that is not only much smaller than a better-known walrus, but as a species, completely albino. Aside from the lack of coloration, they behave in all ways like normal walrus, but seldom top 500 pounds. In early spring, they come to the beaches by the thousands to give birth to their pups, then mate afterward. All of this is extremely typical walrus behavior, but there is one exception. The albino pygmy walrus exudes an odor that smells remarkably like gardenias and seems to repel both biting insects and predatory insects. Indeed, despite the delightful scent it has for our human olfactory nerves, it will, after a few minutes, cause us to begin feeling sick to our stomachs. This was first noticed in our party by Abner Porkwaffle and myself. As we observed them, we began to feel ill and had to leave the area. I know now why our guide, Paguna, kept his distance from them the whole time. Once we got beyond the effect of the scent, I felt considerably better. Unfortunately, Abner had an attack of nerves and had to lie in his tent until lunchtime. Entry 495. The Leaping Turtles from the notebook of Dr. Thaddeus Silkmillan. Once again, poor Abner Porkwaffle, my oldest and dearest friend, has found himself on the bad end of an encounter with the fauna of this island. He is lying down now and being tended to by the caring and gentle Miss Abigail Saltgrass. Hopefully, he will be hale and hearty again by dinner time. It was early this afternoon when young Smiffy, our cabin boy, and now General Aaron Boy for the expedition, came to tell us that a large group of turtles seemed to be migrating from the little forest to the pink swamp, so-called because of the massive bloomings of pink lemonberry flowers one finds there. Well, never having seen a turtle migration, we were off quickly, with Smithy in the lead. When we got to the proper location, we saw between 200 and 300 turtles, mostly about the size of a pie plate, moving slowly through the short grass. I noted that these turtles had, in addition to their bright green shells, rather muscular legs. I took many notes as Abner went around in front of them to get a few photographs. He was snapping away with his trusty brownie when from behind the turtles came the roar of a male crocodile up the river. Upon hearing that roar, the entire group of turtles leaped a good 15 feet through the air. They did this several times. Unfortunately, many of them collided with Abner. Some of the frightened reptiles even bit him lightly or defecated upon him. Within moments, however, the entire herd was gone from our view of the swamp. Once Abner calmed down enough to stop yelling, we returned him to the camp, where he now rests under the watchful eye of Miss Saltgrass. 
Fortunately, his camera was undamaged, so we should have some excellent photos of the turtles in mid-leap. You know, folks, poor old Abner sure has a great reason to be nervous and distrusting of the wildlife. Just saying. Well, the clock on the wall, okay, the clock on this computer, says that it's time to end this podcast and go have a grilled cheese and jalapeno sandwich. As always, thank you for tuning in. If you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, I can be reached on Facebook, where I'm Doc Cross, on WordPress at the Dockiverse blog, via email at agentroscoe at gmail.com, and if you're listening via Anchor, you can leave a voicemail. If you'd like to support me via Patreon and hear these podcasts weeks before they go up on Anchor, go to www.patreon.com forward slash Cross. And if you feel like either sponsoring this podcast or advertising on it, get in touch with me by any of the methods I just mentioned. Now have a great 48 hours, try to stay out of trouble, or at least not get caught, and I'll see you here next time. Our music was by Big Sandy and his Fly Right Boys, and is available on the Free Music Archives. This podcast and everything on it, except the music, is copyright 2021 by Doc Cross. But then, you knew that already.